Welcome to the land of the ice and snow podcast, where I chat with my expat friends about moving to Sweden, living in Sweden, and all the different experiences, embarrassments, and weird things we observe. So my name's Heather, and I'm from Texas, right outside of Houston. I've been here for 18 years. Today, my guest is Monica. She's also from Texas. I thought it'd be kind of nice to start out yeah, with two Texas girls. However, Monica is from outside of Dallas. Dallas, and anybody who knows Texas knows that Houston and Dallas have a big rivalry, but I've decided to forego that today and <laughs> invite so her. Kind. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so like I said, I've been here 18 years. I came because I have a Swedish husband that I met over the internet. He was not a serial killer, so everything worked out all right. What about you, though? Why are you here? Is it for work? Or did you marry a serial killer? <laughs> What are, what are the other reasons? What are the school, other reasons? work. Yeah, school, work. Most people are here for love. Or Just appointed because. to, like, the U.S. Embassy. Yes. Um, so are you appointed to the U.S. Embassy? Mm, no. No. No, okay. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Especially not right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, my name is Monica, and I'm from a suburb outside of Dallas, and I have been here 12 years now. I just celebrated my 12-year anniversary. What month I, did you move here? October. October 6th. Ah, I know. But... That's a terrible month to I know. move to Sweden. Trust me, I was told that every single day. Why would you move here? Oh, it's so terrible this time of year. I'm like, well, not a lot I can do about it this, at this point. I think it's good if you move like in the fall or the winter because then you immediately see if you're going to be able to make it. I think I feel more sorry for people that move yeah. here like May or June. Under false and they think pretenses. Yeah, they think it's the best place in the world. And I'm like, you need to stick mm-hmm. around a bit. The only thing, you know, the thing that helped me survive was that we, when we moved here, we moved with a dog and a cat. So I had to go out with my dog all the time. Rain, snow, sunshine. I was out, you know, two or three times a day. So exploring and I was still running at that time. So that I think helped a lot because we lived in Tabby and that's, it's very, very um, Swedish up there and (laughs) very typical Swedish up there. So it was a little bit of a shock coming from Dallas to here. Describe (laughs) typical Swedish in your... They stand really, really close. They pretend sometimes not to know English (laughs) or they think they know English really well or, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of a typical Swede. Nobody wants to talk to each other. You know, you avoid right. each other in your your uh, staircases in your apartments. I mean, and everybody lives quite close together. And that's pretty amazing to me. I mean, I mean, you know, from Texas, everyone says hello, good morning, yes. hi, a little too much. I mean, now when you go home, I don't know if you're like me, where you're a little shell-socked for the first 24 hours. Like, I don't really need to have a conversation in the grocery store line. Every time <laughs> I go back to Texas and go to the grocery store, I, I can stand on the cereal aisle and somebody will come up and say, well, which cereal do you like? <laughs> do you need I some help? One. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, do, do I know you? And then Mm-mm. the people checking me out will tell me their life stories. Mm-hmm. It's a bit different. I like it here because when you go shopping here, no one speaks to you mm-hmm. unless you ask them a question. Mm-hmm. The cashier, I know nothing about them. I, and they, they always do. ask you the same thing. Adebrazo. Yeah. Is, it, is everything good <laughs> is basically what they're asking. Like, do you got everything? Yep. Yeah. When I first came and started learning <laughs> Swedish, I had my routine for the grocery store because they tell me the price and 
I pay? And then they would ask if I wanted a receipt. Mm -hmm. And so I knew what to say. But anytime anyone would go off the scripts, (laughs) then it would be like, uh, what? (laughs) Or either you say yes and you get roped into like buying something by the cash register. (laughs) You have a box of cigarettes at the end or something. Yeah. (laughs) That's totally me. I was like, oh, I would get so anxious at the beginning because you're right. You have this like, you know what they're going to ask you. You know the sequence, exactly what's going to happen. And you don't worry about it. And as soon as that unusual question comes up, uh, uh, because sometimes it's a campaign. Like, yeah. do you, oh, would you like to buy our special ribbon for this? And <laughs> no, I just want to pack my groceries. I was doing go. really good with the words yes and yeah, and I know the word for receipt. That's about it at exactly. this point. <laughs> totally feel you. Yeah. It was, it's a long time that you're like that, too. I think it was probably like five or six years before you finally can not be anxious about it anymore. I think at first you're like, oh, I'm going to nail this language. And then you're not nailing it. Nobody's understanding you, even though you're trying desperately to communicate. And then you become embarrassed, so you don't want to speak Swedish. And then you get to the point where you're like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to go for it. And I think once you get to that, I'm just going to go for it, then you're fine. Then you're golden. Because then you just do whatever. Nobody cares anymore. But have you had situations where you feel like an idiot, especially? when you first dared to start speaking Swedish. So I was taking SFE, which is uh, Swedish for immigrants, and I went to the grocery store with one of my Swedish friends, and I ran into one of my classmates. So I'm like, ah, yeah, (laughs) we're going to do this, right? So me and her, we we begin speaking Swedish, and we have this conversation. I'm like, okay, hey-do, hey-do, and she walks away. And my friend looks at me, and she goes, so what language were you guys speaking? (laughs) I'm like, no, it was Swedish. <laughs> Clearly, it was Swedish for immigrants. Speaking of the sounds, it's the Swedes who have a lot of trouble with the TH sound. Mm-hmm. So my name is Heather, but to most Swedes, my name is Heater. And I just kind of roll with it. So at the doctor's office, I have to keep an ear out because they're going to call me Heater or they're going to call me by my middle name because so many Swedes go by their middle name instead of their first. So you have to listen really hard when you're in a waiting room here because you don't know what they're going to call you. I think the daycare teacher, when my kids were younger, the daycare teacher thought my name was Esther. And she called me Esther for like a year. (laughs) And I just didn't have the heart to correct her. (laughs) I knew who she was talking to. Did we talk about how you ended up here? Oh, no, I forgot to tell you that I did not marry a serial killer that I know of. And that you don't work for the embassy, so... I don't, I don't, and that's all I'll tell you. I'm just kidding. Are you here for the fabulous Swedish food? I totally am, wow, meatballs and potatoes, how can you say no to that? That's what I grew up on was meat and potatoes, so why wouldn't I move here? No, I moved here for love. My ex is Swedish. We met in the Cayman Islands. Ah, and you Mm -hmm. lived there for a while, Yes, so I lived in the Cayman Islands. I worked for hotels for a while, so I moved around, Um, and then we moved a little bit around in the States, I always make sure, I remember when I first moved here, I'd always make sure to tell that part of the story because a lot of people were like, oh, you met and then you moved to Sweden right away. I'm like, no, actually, no. (laughs) You mean like me. Yeah, like you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, so we lived in Boston, we lived in Dallas again, and then we decided to move here in, like I said, 2006. And why did you decide to move here? Well, one, we didn't want to be in Dallas anymore. It was really hard on him and just it's Dallas. It's a landlocked city and it's hot. And I've always wanted to live in Europe. Me too. So we just took the chance to do it. And I think I kind of was probably looking back a little naive about how easy it would be to assimilate. I remember people saying, well, how are you going to do it? And isn't it a lot different? I'm like, no, 
no, it's a, you know, a, it's an adventure when, especially when you're younger. Yeah. And yeah, no you just kids. think it's, it's exciting. Why not? You yeah. know, give it a try. How different could it be? How, but yeah. It is. Of course, in like most other people, I had only been visiting here like every other summer. That's the same with anywhere you go. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful on vacation, but it's totally different if you live there. It's, it's like life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> life happens. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I found my place here. I worked in I work in human resources, um, so I have to deal with people. So I do have to talk to people. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. And how does that go? Did you work with that when you were in other places? Yeah. How is it different in Sweden? Big part is is that Sweden up until recently didn't see the HR function as, as important. They saw that role purely administrative. Like, that's the person that's going to do the paperwork and do the contracts and, you know, the hirings and the firings and make sure all the policies are put together. There was no strategy or culture. They, they didn't really think about that before. Now it's getting better. And I think it's also because I've changed industries. Now I work in the tech business, which is also a lot more, you know, agile and forward thinking and really in, embraces that. Plus, you have two new generations that have come in that are really really expecting employers to value them as people and what are you going to do for me? Then, of course, you take that plus the Swedish desire to have a real work-life balance, which I love as well. Like people really me respect too. the fact if you're on holiday, you're on holiday. If you're sick, you're sick. So it makes it a little bit more rewarding to be in human resources now um, in Sweden as well. So that's good. I like it. I'm happy here. <laughs> So today, I was looking around the internet to see what people are talking about, right. uh, especially expats on a lot of sites. And the big thing this week is Halloween, because the new people coming don't know how it works here. And even the people who have been here a long time, they like don't you know how me, it works. They don't. It's, it, it seems to be different in every neighborhood or yes. every town. But we're all in agreement that the Swedes haven't quite gotten it down, but we all appreciate that they're trying. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude, but I don't understand how hard it is to remember. It's the 31st. One day. It's just one day. It's the end of the month. It's super easy to remember. It's not the Friday before. It's not the Friday <laughs> after. It's not the Tuesday before. Like you always like to do your aftons before the holiday. It's the 31st. They seem to stretch it out over at least two weeks. And a lot of the things I read said that they've noticed that the Swedes will usually celebrate it the weekend after the 31st. And I kind of get that you would do it on a weekend, but still, it really is one day. They never get it. Then some of them get angry because they think it interferes with All Saints Day. All Saints Day. Um, and it's very difficult to explain that, it, no, it's not the same day. No, it's fine. Trick-or-treating. Most of the questions were about trick-or-treating from new people. Okay. Do they do that here? And then you have to explain that, well, they trick-or-treated Easter, and that's a completely different story. But they're trying to adopt trick-or-treating. We only go to houses that will have Halloween decorations mm -hmm. or a pumpkin outside. I, I think it's starting to be more understood mm -hmm. that you put out a sign that you're going to participate because I used to send my kids through the apartment building. Mm -hmm. I remember one year they came back with a nasty piece of candy somebody had pulled out of their pocket, 20 crowns, so they got some mm. money, and potato chips, loose <laughs> potato chips, not even in a bag. They had just thrown them in their trick-or-treat <laughs> bucket. <laughs> I used to uh, offer Velveeta cheese and Rotel dip to people. No, no. 
and no more because they would all get addicted. They'd eat it in five minutes, and it's not very easy to ship over a heavy block of Velveeta. Mm -mm. So now the Velveeta that I bring back is locked in a special cabinet, and we take it out for special occasions to make our cheese dip, and no one else can have them. Wait, hold on, wait, hold on. Only an expat who moves to Sweden would say, you take Velveeta out for special occasions. I mean, it couldn't be any more trashy. They won't sell cheese. Velveeta I here. Know, because it's for not a reason, cheese. Because it's not cheese. It's a shelf-stable product <laughs> of something. It's next to the Crisco. The first time I, I brought it, Mon said, that can't be cheese because it's not refrigerated. And then he looked at the ingredients and at the package, and he's like, see, it says cheese product. It's not cheese. Sometimes it's okay to be quiet. You don't have to insult our cheese. Oh, he learned once he tasted it in a <laughs> Rotel dip. Why do you think Tex-Mex is so delicious? It's because of that velvety, slimy, yes, because it melts. It melts. And have you oh, noticed so that if you go to a so-called Tex-Mex restaurant around here, first of all, nachos are not nachos. No. They mean chips. It's simply chips. Mm -hmm. I've been disappointed so many times when I order nachos and it comes to my table and it's a bowl of chips and maybe a small bowl of sour cream. Mm -hmm. No flavoring, just sour cream mm -hmm. and maybe mm -hmm. some cheap salsa. It's literally like crushed tomatoes that they probably put like a little salt in and maybe some Tabasco and they're trying to Not wing even it. that. It's it's it's, awful. it's out of the Santa Maria jar. They Ugh. just dump it in. <laughs> and there's no cheese. No. And if you see on a menu, oh, oh, this is a big nacho thing, we have cheese. Yes, and then you get it, it's shredded cheese. Mm -hmm. Shredded, you can't put shredded cheese on because it just turns to rubber. Mm -hmm. You have to have a special non-cheese type that melts. Yeah. And I, I have the worst time if I'm trying to make that myself without Velveeta. But you know what I found? Do you know this website? Uh, she's a Texan that lives in New York. She does have access to some things a little bit easier than us. But it's her blog is Homesick Texan. I've heard of that and looked yeah. it up sometimes. She just recently posted a recipe for soft cheese tacos, which spoiler alert, they're not actually in the shape of tacos. They're corn <laughs> tortillas wrapped as enchiladas. But it, nonetheless, they're called soft cheese tacos. And she provides a cheese sauce recipe. And she uses American cheese, which we can get our hands on. Where? Because I, I haven't the seen American that. American cheese slices. The, oh, they're the always slices. with the burgers yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, Did she good. also write a book? Because I think she we did. have a... Yeah, we have that called Homesick Texan. Oh, her, her pancake recipe is amazing. I make American, I make American pancakes. pancakes every weekend. My husband and I switch off. I make blueberry American pancakes, and he makes waffles, which has nothing to do with being Swedish, but no. he likes to make you waffles. You guys have a waffle machine? Yeah, I, I think the reason he makes them every weekend is so he can justify buying that waffle maker. <laughs> well, can we talk about the loose yes. Swedish candy phenomenon? That I'm used so to now, but I thought was disgusting I'm at first. I'm still kind of disgusted by it. I had a cold, what, for three months, it feels like. So now when I go up there, I'm like, this looks just like a cold, I don't know, Petri dish. Yeah, just crawling like, with germs. Because yeah. I've seen at the grocery store, so we have like little bins full of different types mm -hmm. of candy and you scoop it up. And there is a plastic scooper and you're supposed to put it in a bag. But any of us who have had kids or observed kids know that on all the lower bins, you have like a lot of two and three year olds with runny noses who nobody pays attention to that just dig their hands right mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. So I usually tell my kids, I'll point to the top ones and go, you can pick off of the top rows. <laughs> And Mama brought her own scoop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got my own candy. 
Speaking of food, what is something horrible that you've had to try here? That I want to try stir strumming. You have. I have. I haven't even done that. Oh, that I totally that's the have. one I refuse. So explain okay. stir strumming. Well, first of all, I'll explain my philosophy is that I will never say no to like really typical Swedish cultural almost kind of dishes. Like there's this whole thing around eating stir strumming. It comes with potatoes and onions and melted and it's butter. A, it's a party. It's not something you eat alone. No, it's not like it's you just bring it home for takeout. Like, but stir strumming literally translated is sour fish, like this strumming fish. So they ferment it and it gets so fermented in the can, it can start bulging. And it's so nasty when you open it that you can't open it in public. You can't open it on planes or trains or and automobiles. You have to open it in a bucket of water, that, right? They recommend that because that really, mm. really helps with the smell. So anyways, I was convinced to try this. And of course, I'm behind anything that involves potatoes and butters and onion because I love that. <laughs> and there was beer involved and schnapps, which is like aquavit, a hard liquor. And yeah, so I tried it. And the funny thing is, is the taste actually isn't that bad. The problem is, is 30 minutes later, you begin to burp. And it's and the burps oof. that are disgusting. <laughs> I'm always willing to try something once. So then at least I can say, hey, I've tried it. I don't sure. want to try it anymore. So you're uh, you're saying it's not a date food. No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would not offer anyone that on my first date. asked you if you found anything to bring an interesting news article that was very specifically Swedish. No. Did you find anything? No, because I don't read the newspaper. Sorry. <sighs> That's just wrong. I'm obsessed with CNN right now. I'm back on my CNN kick. So I thought we could check out like some very typical Swedish news yeah. if there were any stories. So the only one I could find from the past week was about a submarine. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> a submarine was observed in the Stockholm archipelago. It's not the first time, you know, that we've had a submarine. I personally think it's exciting because it's like every spy novel that I've ever read. I mean, in Houston, you don't really get Russian invading Possibly. But do we even know this is Russian? They don't even say that. No, no, they're assuming that. But it just makes the story better if of you course. do it that way. No, they're, they're not. I mean, they took some video. They can't really prove it. It was some children. They, they were at a sailing school, I think. But are we sure this is submarine? I mean, listen to the description, right? The children and their teenage instructors first saw large air bubbles in the water and then a large black object near the surface. That could be Loch Ness Monster. It could be. It could be. <laughs> What do you typically do on the weekends, and what are you going to do this weekend? Yeah, so I live in the suburbs. I live in Vamdo, which is like a community of nature-loving horse-riding people. <laughs> so we hang out in nature and ride horses. So like today, I'm what they call a medritere, which is a co-rider. Basically, people who have horses loan their horse out to other people, and you pay anywhere from 500 crowns to 1,500, depending on the quality, I guess, of the horse <laughs> um, and what you want to do. Like if you want to take the horse and show it and actually use it as like a real horse for riding or if you're just going to ride the horse in the I forest. I had no idea. What do they generally 
normally charge for that, depending on the quality depending of the on, horse? I would say on average, it's probably about 1000 a month. And you, okay. will, you can ride the horse like two or three times a week, but you also have to help feed the horse, clean out the stalls. And right. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Though. Yeah, I think so. I mean, compared to owning a horse. So I'm, I have yeah. a horse like that. So every Sunday, I'm very lucky because I have a weekend as well, I go out and ride this 28-year-old mare who, first of all, for her age, she is incredibly strong and very fresh and very, like, I mean, she wants to go. Like, so she still likes to gallop and trot. We go up and down through the forest, and I have a really good time. So it's nice. But it takes, like, four or five hours. So my whole Sunday is kind of that. Wow. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, do you have any tips for people living, let's just say the Stockholm area, since that's where we're here right now. So what, what kind of tips would you have for people to do activities around the city if they have kids? Um, I would say not to promote my own town, but Gustavsberg. <laughs> no, but there is a museum out there called Artipolog, mm-hmm. and you can take the boat from Stockholm to the museum and you just walk up the boardwalk and you can go in the museum. They always have really great exhibits. The food is amazing. Their restaurant there is really, really good. But they also have like, um, it's called a tips promenade. What is that in English? It's like a... It's where you you walk around. It's not really like a scavenger hunt, but there's different questions you're supposed to answer and you like follow, I guess, a a trail or something. And then you're supposed to answer these questions that will have to do with the theme. It's super Swedish. Like tips promenade, most Mm -hmm. people do that if they have some kind of party out in the forest or whatever. <laughs> Very common thing to have a party in the forest. But anyways, I would recommend that because that's really cool. So you get the boat activity plus the museum plus the forest. It's like a three for one kind of thing. Well, for me, uh, I hunt out the free museums in Stockholm. There's uh, a performing arts museum it used to be in the old music museum building. So now it's performing arts. It's only free, I think, one day of the week for everybody, but otherwise children are free. You can dress up in outfits and then you can play with instruments. You can play with puppets, uh, lights. It's kind of a, you know, it occupies the day. And if you go on the right day, it costs nothing. (laughs) And if your kids are older, you just send them on in there and then you go to a cafe and have some coffee and come back in an hour. Perfect. Awesome. This has been fun. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Fellow Texan. Yeehaw. Well, that's it. Until next time. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hey, (laughs) Dua.